Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Why we give it up for Jesus real quick? I exalt thee. Come on, what a song. I exalt thee. It is good to be in a place that exalts the name of Jesus. The Bible says if we lift his name up, all people will be drawn to him. And I, I just uh, want to encourage you today. I think one of the calls as a Christian and the calling, the main calling as a Christian is to minister unto Jesus, is to minister unto God. The Bible calls us kings and priests and, and we, we represent him as kings and we minister to him as priests and we represent him to the earth. And um, I just, uh, one of my good friends, Barbara Mosley, we were in worship and uh, she leads a connect group here. She's right here on the front and she's one of the prayer team. And uh, she just said she felt like the Lord wanted to heal people today of, of different things in the middle of our moment of worship. And let me just say this, as we, as we minister to him, a lot of times we've made church where we minister to each other and that's important, but, but first and, 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 and predominant before that is we minister to him. And if we'll minister to him, that's why, why do we worship? Why do we lift hands in the air? Why do we sing songs? If we minister to him and we were singing those songs, hear my, hear my voice, let it be a sweet sound in your ear. Like, like God hears us. Like he's up there receiving that. Like that's, that's incense and offering to him. He, it's not, we're just not singing for each other. We're, he hears that. And as we minister to him, he ministers to us. And so as we lift him up, he begins to do things here. And so I don't know if you need a miracle in your body today, but I just encouraged, you know, I was encouraged by that word. And, and as you gave me that and shared that, uh, the Bible says, hey, if someone has a word like that, that you know, bring that. And so I want to bring that real quick. And, and, and I feel like the reason it was so predominant in that moment is because we were ministering unto him. And, and as we were worshiping him, that's when you heard that. He's like, I want to minister unto my people and heal, heal my people. So real quick, if you have anything like maybe in your body supernaturally that you need God to heal. Would you just put your hand on it? We're going to pray for you real quick. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to heal. And uh, he does miracles. Y'all believe that still? I mean, doesn't have to be spooky. You don't have to like, no one's going to push on you. Like pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. We're not doing any of that. Uh, and so, and so we're all good. We're just going to lay hands on whatever uh, that spot. Maybe, you know, I don't know, whatever it is in your body you need healing for. Come on, let's pray for each other. Father, thank you so much. You're a God that still heals that Lord, as we minister unto you, you said that, uh, that healing is the children's bread. We're your kids, oh God. And so thank you for healing today, Jesus. You are the one that can heal. We can't heal a thing. But Lord, your spirit is in this room and where you are, uh, where two or more are gathered and anything we ask in your name uh, shall be done. And so we, we ask for you to heal things that maybe we've uh, reached out to doctors or ailments or things that have just been a, a nuisance in our life for a time being. I ask you to supernaturally, Lord, uh, make, make a new report today. Would you heal bodies and, and your kids today in a supernatural way so you get glory and you get honor in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I just wanted to be obedient to that. Yeah, come on, let's give God praise um, that he heals. I'm so glad that we serve a God that heals and he still is alive and doing miraculous things. We've been in a series... Um, called Boot Camp. Before I jump into it, you heard about Connect Group starting. Uh, maybe some of you have never been in a Connect Group. You heard that we have a training today at 1.30. We have lunch. We'll have child care provided. Um, I think we have like 30 people that are signed up already. And then may maybe you've led one in the past and, and may maybe you've never led one. We'd love to train you, coach you to do that. Or maybe you've never attended one. Let me just say this. We don't do Connect Groups. What they are, they're smaller groups of, of Christians, um, some non-Christians from the community, but, but predominantly Christians. Come on, you know, how many of you know it's important to have outnumber them sometimes. Come on, it's good to go to their party, but it's good to bring them to our party. 
And, and, so, and so it's, it's group settings in homes, cafes, parks, hiking, uh, pickleball, Bible study, all different types of groups. And, and it's believers getting together for discipleship. People ask me all the time, well, how do you disciple people here? Can I tell you, I was never discipled by a class. I was discipled sitting across from a coffee table with a pastor or a brother in the Lord who said, hey, you know, I know you're struggling with that, but let me pray for you. Hey, you quit acting like an idiot there. Hey, you're doing great there. You know, hey, I deal with the same thing. That's where I began uh, to let the gifts and callings come alive in my life. Not, not sitting in a church chair. Like sitting here, God initiates things. He sparks things. He, he ignites things, but it's out there that it begins to burn and be alive. Does that make sense? And so, and I'm in one. I know some, some of y'all are busy. It's like, but here's the thing. Summer's like six weeks. It's only a six-week session. So maybe you've never, you know, gotten in one. And maybe that's a good time just to try it out. Not a huge commitment. Like, let me try it out. I get it scary going hanging out with people you don't know. I go to one on Friday morning. That's my day off. So Friday's my day off. I go to one on Friday. So, you know, I know you're busy. I know you have days off. I know you're tired. I know it's hard to do. But I'm just asking you to make it a priority because I believe God is going to do things in your life and grow you in a way that you could not do just sitting in a chair. I'm in one. I, I, I smoke what I'm selling, okay, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust anybody that doesn't smoke what they're selling. So, so before y'all leave the church, I know some of y'all going to be like, that's not, oh God, you can't say that. I didn't say, I'm smoking small groups, somebody. Uh-uh, I'm smoking connect groups. I'm in, I'm in relationship with people. So if you need to leave the church you're, and you're mad, I'm, email um, Barbara Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a boot camp series. Uh, in the middle of this series, we've been looking at the spies last week, looking at taking back some promises, looking at becoming strong soldiers for God, getting the civilian out, getting the soldier in uh, to some degree. And um, we were uh, looking at the 12 spies last week that went and took promises. There's always going to be a promise God has for you. There's 7,000 in the Bible that are written to you, 7,000 promises that you can appropriate. Not everything in the Bible you can appropriate, but there's 7,000 things you can appropriate. And so you need to know those. There'll always be an enemy in camped in your promise. There will always be a giant that you have to face to take ground. And so um, we need to understand how to deal with that. And we looked at these 12 spies. Two saw the promises. Ten saw all the problems. And so we saw how the enemy uses um, perspective and complaining and exaggeration and some things last week to keep us out of our promise. This week, I want to fast forward to where Joshua and Caleb are talking it's been 45 years since God's kids did not go into what God was trying to take them into. 45 years. They've wandered. They began to wander in the place they complained. We wander where we complain. We have a lot of forgiven wanderers in the church. We wander where we complain. Their vision died at the place they complained. They lost their vision and they became, began to wander. An entire generation died off. God said, you're not getting the promise until everybody that complained died and they all died off. And there were two men uh, that got to go in with a new generation because of their heart and what they believed God. God to do. And so we see it picking up here. It's been 45 years and they're about to take the promised land. Before they go into the promise, Caleb comes to Joshua and says, Hey, we've not fought. There's been no battle yet. I want to get the land that, that, that was promised me. And we see some things in this conversation from his heart that allowed him to have the confidence he needed to get the land that God had promised to him. And so I'm going to pick up in verse six, Joshua 14, six through 13. It says, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the men of the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. He's reminding his brother Joshua, like, remember, 
I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back him and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Come on, we need we need to have some convictions. Wasn't convictions about the giants. It wasn't even convictions about the promise. It was convictions about how big God was. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Says it three times about him wholeheartedly. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. He's like, I'm going to kill that retirement spirit right now. I'm, I'm strong at 85. I'm as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me my mountain. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that when the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, the Lord helping me, the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. He got Hebron. My title for today is, I lost my confidence. I lost my confidence. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you're a giant killer, that you're a giant slayer, that if we've lost confidence in any area about you, that today we would regain our confidence, that you're the lifter of our head. You're the, you're the one that says, let the weak say they are strong. You're the one that, that David said, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of God Almighty. I thank you that you are our confidence today, Lord. If we've lost it anywhere, Lord, I pray we would get it back today because of who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. I lost my confidence. I'm here to make an announcement real quick today. I want you to announce to somebody sitting by you, in front of you, beside you. I don't care how many. I want you to look at them today and say, today? Go ahead, do it today. Today? That's like three of you. We're going to do better. Today? Today? I'm getting back my confidence. I'm getting back my confidence. And now what I want to do is a little bit in advance, a little, a little praise in advance, a little redeeming in advance, a little believing in advance. Remember pep rallies? You didn't have the game yet, but you cheered on the front before the game hit. Can we have a little pep rally real quick? If you believe, come on, if you believe that you're going to get some confidence back, that God could do something, we praise him. He redeems it. He restores it. He's the lifter of my head. He's the joy of my life. His praise is my strength. Come on. Numbers 13, there's 12 spies. They go in to take the promised land. God's bringing them in. Two of them see the promise. Ten of them see all the problems. Come on. Last week, we talked about the ten. All the problems. They begin to exaggerate. They're like, man, this land swallows up everybody. They start exaggerating. You're like, come on. We give the spies a hard time. You ever like, come on, spies. Like, it really eats the land. Like, it, it, it swallows you up, really. Like, we're, they look down on us. Like, come on, guys. Like, don't you just wish they would have been like, we can take the light. We can do God's big. Like, come on. We preach about them, the two, and it's powerful about the two. And we're like, the 10, they blew it. You're exaggerating and you're full of fear. Come on, chill out, spies. <laughs> come on, guys. Like, but let me ask you a question. Like, 
Have you ever got to a place in your life where you lost your confidence? I think before we judge the 10 spies too hard, which we did kind of last week, but before we judge them too hard, and as I began to judge them and think like, man, if these guys would have just, and it wouldn't have gone that way, I began to think of moments in my life when I lost my confidence, when my faith wasn't up to the task. When, when, I, when I had misplaced confidence, when I thought, man, I don't have any confidence. Come on, anybody in here would admit that you maybe had low confidence at some point in your life? Come on, I know everybody else, maybe y'all are swinging 100 and batting 300 and you're hitting home runs every day. And hey, I'm not really talking to you today. I'm talking about those of you that, that were in middle school with braces at one point in your life. You might act like you got confidence now, but there was a point in your life your head was bigger than your body in middle school. You hadn't grown into that head yet. You hadn't grown into those ears yet. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like in middle, middle school, anybody, like you were, you were confident now, but you remember the middle school dance where you stood on a wall and you didn't talk to nobody. Come on. You're like, ah, I remember third grade football. My mama sent me out. I was a chubby kid. Third grade went to practice for football. She sent me with no belt. I had put football pants on that barely fit. I had no belt. They're trying to make us go out. It's tryouts. They're trying to make people go out to, to, be, to, to catch footballs. I'm like, I'm 185 pounds in third grade. I am not a receiver. I ain't catching nothing, man. Like, I'm not even going to make way in. You're going to try to make me catch balls. You know what I'm saying? It was like my confidence. I was running out. I was holding my pants up with one hand, trying to catch footballs with my other hand. I, they put me on the line. Talking about confidence. Middle school began to hit. Come on, middle school. Anybody play middle school sports? Anybody, any middle school. We had middle school football. Played for the Bruins. Man, we get all pumped up before a game. Confidence. We had a song. We had, we had that chant. Come on, any, anybody remember their chant? We get, get ready for football. All on the bus. Everybody's on the bus. Locker room. We're chanting, get out our way. We're coming through. If you don't move, we stomp on you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> confident. Get out. It's hard to be a woo, woo, woo and have confidence, but we did it. We pulled it off. Get out our way. We're coming through. If you don't move, the Bruins will stomp on you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> then you go out and you're stretching before the football game, right? You're confident. Get out our way. You look up, you see the other team. You're like, my God, they're giant. They got beards. They're 25. I know they're not in middle school. Anybody? Yeah. You're like, man, I know they got their driver's license two weeks ago. Make it a confidence just shh, begins to drain out. Have you ever lost your confidence? Uh, I had a situation in my life about three years ago. We'd been building church for 13 years and uh, 12 and a half years and 2020 hits and all hell begins to break out in the earth and in the church world and especially in multicultural churches, which we are, praise God, but it was crazy times and you had different crazy politicians fighting and you had everybody in the nation stirred up against each other. And so it was hard as a church and, 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 and we began to go through a, a time where uh, things got divided and I lost friends and I, I lost family members that were part of this house for years that had prayed for their children. And, and, I, and, I, and, I began to, and I began to see our church just dwindle down and, and it was barely surviving. Now it's not that way, but it was barely surviving. And, and, I, and I began, and I lost my confidence. I lost my confidence. I, be, I know what it's like to feel like a grasshopper. 
I know what it's like to begin to question yourself. And, and here's, the, here's the reoccurring thing that we ask ourselves when we lose our confidence. This is what I was asking myself. Do I still have what it takes? Do I, do I still have what it takes to be a godly husband and a, a pastor and a leader? Do I still have what it takes to, to lead a church? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the guy. And I began to question. And it's not safe to stay at low confidence for too long. And I began to ask myself, maybe this isn't my promised land. And maybe, maybe I'm not Caleb. Maybe I'm believing for something that's beyond my capability. Maybe, maybe I've hit my ceiling and lid. Maybe, God, maybe I'm not the guy. Maybe, maybe God, maybe God, I'll just be a spy and I'll scroll Instagram and look at everybody else's promised land. Anybody ever lost your confidence? Ever seen some things taken from you and you begin to lose your confidence? I began to pray and ask God, like, what's going on and what do you want to do? And he spoke to me clearly. And uh, he said to me that you're committed, but you're committed to the wrong thing. I was like, what do you mean, God? And I'm beginning to work it out. And I'm on a conversation and a phone call back behind this building in my car facing the World Cafe. And I'm sitting in the car by myself and I call a friend. His name's Dan Olerking. And he'll be here in August, actually. He leads an organization called Children's Cup where we support and we take care of children and feed them and start churches around the globe. And he also leads something, um, a part of ARC, Association of Related Churches that we're a part of. And he's a staff member there and he, he encourages pastors around the country. And um, we plant churches through that organization. And I was on the phone with him. And I was trying to encourage myself, you know, as a church leader and planter and builder, I was trying to encourage myself. So I said, well, Dan, you know what? I said, I guess, you know, I'm looking at the sunny side, right? The positive side. I said, I guess if you were told, told me I was going to plant a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was going there to plant a church and I had 200 people. Now keep in mind, our church had grown to about a thousand people or whatever at the time. And God was blessing the church. And, and, and that's not the important thing. Maybe it was in my mind that I was committed to the wrong things at that time. But, but I said, you know, I guess if you told me that our church would have 200 launch team members to start strong and then we'd have a five million dollar property right off the highway in the middle of uh, of a great area and, and then you told me we have a quarter million dollars in the bank I, I think I guess I'd be pretty happy as a as a new church planter coming to the city I guess I, I could I would be pretty encouraged in that and he he goes hey let me ask you a question did you hit, have any of that when you moved to Knoxville I said, no, no. He said, he said, what did you have? I was like, well, you got all the answers. You tell me. He said, you had a calling from God. You had a calling from God. And what I had done was I had placed confidence in my assignment, not my calling. We begin to lose confidence when we confuse calling with assignment. And when we begin to put confidence in assignment, what we can build, what we can do, what we can handle, what we can hold, what we can have, what we, when we begin to have an assignment, here's the thing. Assignment is from God, but it comes and goes. Assignment changes. It can be in your hand one day and gone the next day. That's assignment. But when we begin to put our confidence in that assignment and that assignment changes or the city changes or the church changes or the calling of the job changes and it's not in calling, we begin to get very uh, hurt, depressed, down, losing confidence in certain ways. I think sometimes you might lose your confidence because you've misplaced it. You've confused what you do for who you are. Assignment is what you do. Calling is who you are. And in my calling and your calling is to walk long term, hand in hand with Jesus until we stare him in the face one day to walk with God, to, to become in his image and his likeness and to be changed and transformed, to walk with God. 
to, to be like him. And, and, and so often we put our trust in the assignment that we carry, what we can hold, what we can do. Hear this. Confidence is a result of commitment. But if you're committed to the wrong thing, your confidence begins to get waned and pulled from you because, because you've got to commit to the calling that God has called you. Before you have anything in your hand, before you do one thing, you're called by God. You have victory. You have strength. You don't deserve it. Jesus died. Jesus did it. You have it all in him. And you're called to walk with God. We see giants and we grab our swords. We see promised lands and we say, how can we take it? How can we have it? How can we get it? I think we're asking the wrong questions sometimes. I think that we ask those questions and we lose our confidence because we're trying to accomplish something and our confidence is a connection to him. It's not what can I do? How can I win? How can I battle? It's how can I surrender? How can I submit? Here's Caleb and he comes to Joshua and he says, hey, there's a promise. So there is a promise. There are giants. It's a reality. There's something that you're going to have to take possession of in your life. You're going to have to grab it. There's a dream, a vision, a family, a spouse, a child. There's things that you have to grab a hold of and possess. And in order to possess your promise, it's going to require you to go in and do some battle. But how do we do it? We learn from Caleb how he goes and possesses the land. The definition of possession is this, to occupy by driving out previous tenants and take possession in their place. That you and I, if we're going to really receive God's promise, we're going to have to possess it. It's like this. I've got a basement that has a large um, proje- a projector and a big screen that pulls down, and that's my kids' area they get to go down in. And They've got a game system and a projection system. But for some reason, they decide they want to sit in my chair upstairs and watch my TV. And, and, and they'll sit in, when I go to watch TV, I'm like, hey, you're, you're in my, that's, I'm going to watch something here. Like, well, no, I mean, I'm watching, I'm in my, I'm watching my show. I'm doing that. I'm like, yeah, you have a whole entire, babe, well, can I just get 20? And they begin, the little terrorists begin to bargain with me <laughs> and barter with me inside my chair. And I'm like, what? And finally I come to a revelation. I'm like, hold on. That's my, t- I paid for this TV and there's a basement that you have. Get your butt to the basement and watch your TV. And I just want to say to you, you're going to have to quit negotiating with terrorists that are sitting in your chair if you're going to take some territory back. You're going to have to quit bartering with that giant that's in your life, with that little thing, with whatever it is that you're bargaining and bartering. You're going to have to quit like making deals and go, you know what? Jesus, the king, paid for my chair, paid for me to sit down in some promises, and I'm going to take my chair back today. Look at Kobe say, I'm getting my chair back. Caleb says, give me this mountain. Give me my chair. He's got confidence. Why? Why? Why does he have confidence when everyone else has been failing in their confidence? He says this in verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore out the land. Listen to this. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. My first thought, if you want to keep confidence, you have to live from your convictions. You have to live from your convictions. He brought a report according to his convictions, according to what he believed. He goes, I went to the land. Joshua, I spied it out. Yeah, there's giants there. We both saw them. Yeah, there's fortified cities. We both saw it. But let me bring a report according to my convictions. God is with us. God is big. God is bigger than any giant. God is my giant that's on my side. God is bigger. If I see myself as a grasshopper, everything's a giant. But if I see God as God, nothing is a giant in my life. I've got a conviction. 
I think some of us, me included at times, have to decide there's a conviction about who Jesus is, how big he is, that I'm never small because I've got a big God and I'm going to have conviction about that in this world. In a world where, where, where there's so much evil and so many problems, I mean, here's the thing. If I ask you how you're doing and you always explain to me the fight you're in, you've confused your assignment for your calling. How are you doing? Well, we're battling culture. We're battling the world. We're just bad. I'm just battling. Your assignment is not your calling. Your calling is God is big. God is strong. God is with me. I'm attached to a God that's never lost a battle. And that's my God. Now I'm called to him and who he's called me to be. I don't want to confuse it. I got to have some convictions about how big my God is. You need some convictions about who Jesus is. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's one that conquered death, held the grave sin. He's given you grace and power. Grace is power and a pardon, not just a pardon. Go mess up again, Lord. No, you're not. I got power not to. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's convictions about what God can do in your life. You need to have conviction, to have confidence. Number two. It says this, verse 8, but my brothers, this is big, but my brothers, he goes, listen, I came with conviction, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Number two, let go of your disappointments. If you want to keep confidence, you've got to begin to let go of disappointments. My brothers, my brothers, my brothers, his brothers brought a bad report. Can you imagine what he had to wander for 45 years because of what someone else did? Some of you are so hurt and so bitter and so discouraged still because of what someone else did. You're still wandering because you're attached to what someone else did. Someone, someone else said that divorce, that pain, that hurt, that word, that habit, that, that nickname, you're still attached to that. He says, my brothers brought a bad report. I'm not saying it wasn't real and didn't happen, but I'm just asking you to let go of the discouragement. Let go of the disappointment. Let go of what you feel like was a total loss. Sometimes we have to wander and it's not even our fault. Like he wandered for 45 years, but he had to let go of that. He goes, man, I remember my brothers brought a bad report. Remember Moses? Think about Moses. Like here's Moses as a baby gets put in the Nile. He's in a basket, alligators, all that survives, all that. And then, and then grows up in the wealthiest nation in the world. Has everything at his disposal. Brilliant, trained in the courts of Pharaoh. Makes one mistake in his life. One mistake. Kills a man, buries him in the sand. Anger issues, anybody? If you got a little anger, it's okay. God can deal with it. <laughs> buries him in the sand. Escapes out into the wilderness. Finds himself at a well in the wilderness with nothing. I mean, imagine the disappointment and discouragement. A man that had everything. All the wealth of the world. All the science of the world had everything. And he finds himself at a well with nothing, talking to God. I had it all, God. I've lost it all, God. And think about this. Moses, at the moment he's the most discouraged and feels like he has nothing, hasn't even, doesn't even know what he'll be known for yet. He thinks he's lost it all, and he doesn't even realize that God still has it all for what we actually tell stories about him, about his destiny and his purpose. Some of you feel like you've lost it all. You've been discouraged by men. My time is over. 45 years I've wandered. I lost my chance. I, I just don't know if it's there for me anymore. I've lost my confidence. God's saying, you haven't seen nothing yet. 
I know you feel like it's all gone. Let go of the discouragement to get the confidence back from God on what he can do for your future. Even when everything was gone, now God's saying, now I can give you back everything that I've called. Here's what I would say. Let the detour become destiny. God, God loves to take 45 years of discouragement and turn it into destiny. And I don't know how long that 45 years has been for you. Maybe it's been a month. Maybe it's been a year. I don't, I don't know. But let go of disappointments. God will turn disappointments into destiny. Number three, verse eight, he says, I, however, Caleb's talking, have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. He says this three times, three, long for God with all your heart. Long, if you want confidence, man, long for God with your whole entire heart. And I, I, I know sometimes we say that. It's like, oh yeah, all my heart. But like, really? Like, what does that look like in our daily pattern and grind? Here's the thing. We lose passion when we're half-hearted. Some of, some of you are wondering why your, your passion for God is waning sometimes. It's because it's we get half-hearted into it. And what the practicality of what that looks like is this. It looks like uh, David said, God took me out of miry clay. How do you get clay? You mix uh, water and dirt. That's how you get clay, right? And so what is that? Water of the word, dirt of the world. When you, when you mix a little bit of the word in your life, and a little bit of the dirt of the world, the pleasures of the world that God says, this isn't really your, your call apart from that. You begin to lose passion and get bogged. It's hard to navigate and walk in miry clay. That's why, that's why David said, God took me out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. Come on, somebody. Set me onto a foundation of solid rock, solid word. I, I would just say, be wholehearted. It says Caleb was one of a different spirit, Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because of his different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land into which he went and his descendants will possess it. The word spirit there literally means the seed of his consciousness, the thinking, planning, motivation of his life. Hence, it refers to one's frame of mind, the tendency towards enthusiasm or depression, courage or fear. It says Caleb had a tendency inwardly towards enthusiasm, towards courage. There was a different spirit on the inside of him. Therefore, he gets the land and the other team doesn't. Therefore, he gets the land and the other kids don't. Well, here's what I would say. Your attitude determines your allotment. Some of you are complaining about the allotment of land, the allotment of inheritance, what you have, where the boundaries are on your life, your attitude, the spirit inside of you, the confidence that you get from God, from Caleb, what's inside of this man. It determined, he said, his kids, 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 kids going to get the land. He's going to get the land because of this different spirit on the inside of him. I just want to encourage you. Like Caleb's like, man, I'm 85. I'm killing this retirement spirit. I'm strong today as I was yesterday. I'm stronger than ever. Like I'm going to take the mountain. I'm going to get the land. Come on. Strength is not an age. It's an attitude. 85 years old. Give me my mountain. Some of y'all, can I just say this year is going to be stronger than last year. Your business is going to be stronger than yesterday. Your marriage is going to get stronger. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm talking about because God is our God. And it's in my spirit that God is my God. I want to serve him wholeheartedly. Verse 11, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. And I've got an attitude of strength in my life. Number four, latch on to God's promises. Verse nine and 10. If you want confidence, latch on to the promises of God. Now then, just as the Lord promised, just as the Lord promised, just as the Lord promised, 45 years, 45 years wandering in problems of other people and says, just as God promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Come on, some of y'all been waiting through other people's problems for 45 years. You have to latch on to the promise of God. 
What has God said about your mind, about your son, about your daughter, about your business, about your city, about that relationship? What has God promised you? And if you don't have a promise, you better get one. What has he said about healing and your body? I have people all the time that want to come up for a prayer line and get healed. And they say, he, pray, pray for healing. And that's powerful. We do that. But I'll say, what verses do you know about healing? I don't know any. How can you believe for healing if you don't know any ingredients that come, that, that, that bring, like, out, like, like get a word. The Bible in James 1.21 says the engrafted word shall save you, deliver you, protect you, cover you. The engrafted word. Not the word you hear me speak. Not the word you go and read for your daily reading in five minutes and, and then just go about your day. No, the engrafted word. It means the inborn word. The, the word that comes alive on the inside of you. Supernaturally drops into your heart and go, you know what? I'm going to hang on to that for 45 years, oh God, until it comes to pass. I'm going to believe you, oh God, because I heard you whisper it in the annals of my life. I heard you speak it to me. It's mine and it's going to come alive in my life, oh God. And no one can steal it from me because you spoke it to me. Man, I serve you wholeheartedly. I don't get freaked out and fired up here because I'm some part of a charismatic contemporary denomination. I know God's delivered me from hell and spoken promises into my heart and given me life and breath. Come on. Anybody excited that God's brought you out of some stuff and going to take you into some promises? I need God. I need the engrafted word of God. Verse 12. Now give me this hill country. Come on. Look for a giant to kill. If you want to keep confidence, you better start looking for some giants to kill. Can I, can I tell you that all graduation in the kingdom comes through a giant? He says, you remember, Joshua, you remember the giants that we faced last year, 45 years ago. You remember them. You remember them. He, he begins to rehearse the giants. The giants that he saw in his past were preparation for his future. He said, you, you remember him? I know, I know what God will do. God will drive him out. I, I can, I, I've seen this before. I've seen this giant before. I'm going I'm to kill this giant. God helping me. All, all the tests that you're taking right now, the things that you're complaining about, the giants that are in your life right now, every giant is actually preparation to get you to take ground for your future or your children's future. Every giant, I don't know what giant it is, fear, insecurity, envy, jealousy, self-sufficiency anger, loss of confidence. I don't know what giant you're facing. Most giants that we graduate through are giants of obedience. What little small thing of, is God asking you to obey and what, what areas God saying, okay, I need you to kill this giant. God helping me. He says, I'll, 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 I'll do this. God helping me. God's trying to talk them into taking the land and they're talking themselves out of it. What's God trying to talk you into that you're talking yourself out of? We're so good at talking ourselves out of the workout plan, out of getting up in the word, out of going to connect group. I'm busy. Out of putting down the bottle, out of getting help, out of confessing, out of getting in relationship. We're so good at talking ourselves out of. I just am here to tell you, God's trying to take you into something. Stop talking yourself out of it. Begin to look for that giant. If you, if you aren't looking for giants, you're losing ground. If we as a church aren't looking for giants to kill, we're losing ground. We're called to go after some giants. How? How? Here's the final one. And I'm going to end. I'm going to pray for you. I hope this is helping you today. Caleb says, I want some giants to kill. I'm going to take this land. How? Number seven. This is the most important one. If you don't hear me, anything else today, hear this. Lose your credentials. <laughs> when... 
When Caleb says, I'm going to take the land, he says it in verse 12. Caleb said, the Lord helping me, the Lord helping me, the Lord helping me, the Lord helping me. I'm going to take this land. He begins to lift up the name of God. When we hear about Caleb and uh, fighting the giant, you never, in Joshua 19, you never hear him saying, okay, Caleb weighs in at 245 pounds. Okay. Caleb's got a reach of six foot two. You know, Caleb's got the reach. No, Caleb, uh, Caleb's undefeated record. You don't hear any of training, anything that he went through. Any, he had no, uh, he, he had no credentials of his own when he faced these giants. He, he, Joshua and him, they just were attached to God, tied to God, tied to one that killed giants, tied to a bigger, a bigger God. When David faced the, the Goliath, he says, you come at, with spear and sword in hand, but I come at you in the name of God. We see holy land. We see promised land. And we grab swords. We begin to fight. We write books. How to be giant killers. No, no, no. How to surrender. How to, how to say, you know what? God, help me. Forgive me. Heal me. God, I surrender. Not, not, not how good am I? How close am I? Not how good am I? How close am I to God? I, I lay down my credentials. Jesus crucified men's wisdom. He crucified men's strength. He crucified our ingenuity. He crucified all that to give us his divine strength, his divine power, his divine capability. Oh, God. So often you say, well, you know, I, I misplaced my confidence or I, I've lost it. Well, no, you just put it in your own ability to hold the sword. You don't hear any of this. I just, he goes in and he kills these three giants. I'm going to read you their names. Numbers 13, 22. Now they went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahinam, Shishai, and Telmai, the descendants of Anak were there. Here's what their names mean. Ahinam, the giant Ahinam, what I am. The giant Shishai, who I am, and the giant tell my what I can do. It says that Caleb went up and slayed three giants. Who I am, ego. What I am, pride. What I can do, self-reliance. All of us, when we're trying to take a promise from God, have to fight those three giants and change the conversation to who God is what God is and what God can do. The Bible. Yeah. We have to redirect our confidence. We have to redirect our aim. The Bible says this, that, that Joshua gave Caleb, Caleb Hebron as his inheritance. Do you know what the word Hebron means? Fellowship. My prayer is that every giant and every battle and every mountain would draw you to fellowship with God, would draw you closer to Jesus, that would draw you to lay down your weapons and your ability to fight. Come on, Peter. You tried to kill him, but you just cut his ear off. You got bad aim. Jesus says, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. He who lives by self-reliance dies by self-reliance. And we begin to see promises for you, for me, for our families, and we grab a hold and we begin to, I'm just asking you today, would you just say, you know what, I'm, I've misplaced some confidence in some of this and I'm going to get my confidence back. If you've lost your confidence, maybe I'm going to get it back by saying, you know what, God, you're the giant killer. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for your people. Thank you for your word. Thank you that there are 7,000 promises 
And I pray today that every giant that every individual in this room is facing, because I know there are giants. I sat in family court Friday and saw giants. I know families are facing giants. I know, I know families are facing addictions. I know families are facing painful situations with their children and their finances. There's doubt, there's fear, there's all types of giants, God. And some, so often we misplace our confidence, Lord, in what we can do, who we are, and what we can handle, oh God. I pray today, Lord, it's not about if I'm good enough, you were good enough, and it's about am I close enough, God. We would draw closer. I pray every giant, whether you're watching online or in this room, would draw you to the feet of Jesus, would draw you to surrender to the only name worth lifting up, the only credential worth lifting high. Lord, we lift your name up over every giant today. Lord, you're the giant killer. You're the giant slayer. Draw us close to you today. If you're in this room, I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward, but if no one's looking around, if you say, you know what, I've misplaced some confidence and it's made me lose some confidence and I need to put it back in his hand today. Would you put your hand up? I'm going to put it back in that calling of mine today. Come on, hands across the room. Maybe you've placed it in an assignment or a job or a season that got changed or lost. You're like, man, it's shaking your confidence. I'm putting it back in God today. Hands across the room. Father, forgive us when we've confused what we do for who we are. We thank you for every assignment you've given us, but our assignments are based on your seasons. Our calling is based on who you are. So I pray that everyone in this room would be secure in the calling of being attached to a God that's never lost. We attach to you today. We're called to walk with you today. Just for another second, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or judge you, but if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered to God through Jesus, if you've never really put your faith in what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago, died for your sin, your shame, your guilt, died for your own strength and wisdom, took all, that, took all of our self-sufficiency, nailed it all to a tree, and then rose from the dead to give you and I a brand new fresh start with God, a brand new life. Maybe you've been doing it on your own. You've been going by your own strength, your own sweat, your own ability. Maybe you've never said sorry for your sins. You've never asked God for forgiveness, and you know you don't have a relationship with him. Here's the thing. It's as easy as saying, Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you died for me on that tree and I believe you rose from the dead to give me a fresh start. I'm not gonna embarrass you or bring you forward, but I'm gonna pray for you here in a second. If you're watching online and you know you need a fresh start with God and that's you today, I just ask you to type in fresh start right now. We wanna pray with you. And then if you're in this room, again, no judgment. It's like, well, is this just too, too easy? Yes, it is. Jesus did all the hard work. And the, the, the door is him. The entrance is him. If you're in this room and you know you're not walking with God and you would like a fresh start today, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. It's as simple as saying, you know what, Jesus, I believe you died and rose from the dead and I give you my life today. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Would you put your hand up high to me if that's you? I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to actually surrender. Come on. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? Thank you for your honesty. I need a fresh start with God today. I know I'm not walking with, with Christ. I want to give you my life. Anybody else? Awesome. Come on, church. Would you pray right now? God moving on several hearts in this room. Maybe those watching online. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Just pray this prayer out with me. No magic in the prayer. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you came to this planet. I believe you lived perfect, sinless. You were God and you were man. You took all my sin and all my shame and all my regret, everything, all my weakness, and you nailed it to that tree. You died for me. And then you rose from the dead. I turn away from that old life. I repent and I turn towards you. I believe that you are God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Save me. 
I will follow you the rest of my life and I'll serve you. You are my Lord and my leader in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God a little crazy shout of praise in this place. If you believe he's a giant killer, come on, my confidence is in the Lord. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.